Today, we're going to dream a little if your divorce is still in process or hasn't even begun. I know that so many of you are wondering about the day when it is all said and done, and you're wondering what your financial future is going to look like. After all, that's the very question that often remains shrouded in mystery and keeps us stuck in unhealthy marriages. So whether you are before, during, or after divorce, I want to just take some time today with certified financial planner Rachel Burns and dig into how you can have a secure financial future, no matter how your divorce turns out. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. Welcome back to the Starting Over Stronger Show. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show today, Certified Financial Planner, Rachel Burns. Hello, Rachel. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you. Well, I've already shared in the intro that today we're going to be talking about post-divorce investing to have a secure financial future, no matter how your divorce turns out. But I will start by saying that we may have listeners today who haven't even filed yet. Maybe we have some that are right in the messy middle of it, or maybe some who've even been divorced for a long time and they're just interested in learning more about investing at this point. So let's keep that in mind as we talk today. The goal, obviously, of our conversation is just that anyone listening today can grab a hold of whatever it is they can do to change their financial future, their financial future to make sure that it is secure. So sometimes the questions about how our future looks financially will look very mysterious. I mean, there's a lot of times that, especially with divorce where you're stuck in indecision for a very long period of time in the midst of a dead or dying marriage. So it's really going to help for us to kind of look at it from that angle of sort of just what are all the what ifs that people might be thinking are reasons they shouldn't file for divorce, even though maybe it would actually be better if they did. So I will probably even frame some of the questions in that way. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Well, let's just go in consecutive order then and just start with that listener who hasn't filed yet, but they kind of know that's really the direction that they need to go or they want to go. What would you say, Rachel, to that great big what if of how am I going to survive financially if I divorce? And obviously, I know that can depend on so many factors, whether they have a career Can they get a job? Are they physically able to work? And so many other things. But all of that aside, would you just share your thoughts on this big what if? Sure. So if you're considering a divorce and you really aren't sure what that would look like going forward, the best thing you can do is to just gather as much information as you can. And gathering information is a lot easier before you've announced that you are wanting a divorce. Not that I'm encouraging people to do sneaky things, but it's so much easier to get access to the information that you need to get access to while everything is stable, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And so I really encourage, especially if you haven't been involved in the management of the finances 
I would encourage you to get as involved as you can. I understand that that might be kind of weird if you've never been involved and all of a sudden you're like, oh, where are these accounts held? But you really need to arm yourself with as much information as you can. And whether that's asking questions to your spouse or whether that's just checking out things like statements or tax returns, it's just any information that you can get on your situation is going to help. And it's going to help you figure out what things will look like going forward for you as a single person, if you understand kind of what your finances look like as a couple. Well, that's, that is good advice. And I, and I, I know exactly what you mean when you say you're not encouraging sneakiness and often people feel that way. Although, you know, it's not sneaky to want to know where your money is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it is your money. And so, I mean, you could legitimately just be taking an interest in it that maybe you should have taken a long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And if it feels awkward to ask, or if it feels strange, it's normal for you to understand the family finances. And if you don't understand if that information is being kept from you intentionally, then that's an issue. So it is normal to want to know where you are. It's okay. It's not something weird that you were asking for. Yeah. I'm actually acquainted with a financial advisor who's target audience is women who aren't going through divorce, but want to get more involved in the finances and their spouses are on board with that. And so she actually teaches couples how to invest and manage their money. And so even though she's more so teaching the woman, the man is totally on board. And so, you know, take it from that approach of just, I just want to be that woman who's, who understands these things and I've taken an interest in it. And so that is very good advice. Switching gears. What if a divorced woman has debt to deal with? She's already through the divorce, but there was debt that was a part of that. How does that factor into her settlement and long-term investment strategy? So if you, if as part of the settlement, you end up with a portion of the debt that you had incurred together, really before you can start making progress towards any other goals, you need to get that debt situation. You need to have a strategy for that. And if it's high interest debt, like a credit card or something, then it's critical that you address that before you really do anything else. But if it's debt that's not super high interest, if you have an auto loan or maybe student loans or something like that, just making sure that you are building your budget around those payments that you're going to have and incorporating that into your long-term goals as well. It, It just helps to be looking at all of those different areas of your finances. So before you can really figure out how much you can save for retirement, I mean, you need to look at the whole picture and debt. That's a really important part of that. Yeah. Right. Well, so now let's think about that listener who's still right in the middle of the mess of divorce. How should she or, or even he be thinking about the future financial security now? What do they need to do while they're in the middle of it? So Before anything is finalized, there's all these decisions that you'll have to make when it comes to splitting the assets. And these are really, really important decisions. It can be overwhelming, especially if you don't feel familiar with the finances of the family, but you're going to have to make these really important decisions and you need to be considering not just your short-term needs, but you need to consider your long-term needs. And those two things kind of are at odds a lot of times. I mean, there's only so much resources that you have and you can only use them in so many different ways. And so you need to make sure that whatever decisions you make as part of the settlement, 
are good for you, you know, in the short term to get you through this time, but also are going to be the best for you in the long run as well, because it's so easy to make these decisions that are short-sighted and you end up in a really bad situation later down the line and you don't even realize it. Yeah, very true. What is, in your experience, some of the more common financial pitfalls women that, that they have after their divorce is final? I think not asking for help is a pitfall. And some people don't ask for help for different reasons. Sometimes they feel like, I want to learn it myself, or I am ashamed to ask for help because I don't want people to know how clueless I am or whatever. But there's so many different resources out there for women who have gone through a divorce. And it's not just there's people think come to mind attorneys, but there's all sorts of other professionals who specialize in divorces and they can help you come up with a plan for the future to get your finances in order, to just make sure that you can accomplish all the things you want with your life. And no one's expecting you to be an expert in all of these areas. You can absolutely get some support from someone who they are an expert in that area. And it can actually be pretty cost-effective to get some help from professionals when you think about the amount of time that's saved, potential mistakes that could be made that could be very costly in the long run. If you make a small investment in the right help in the beginning, you can save yourself so much in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're really describing is the team approach to divorce. And I wish more people understood the value of it and actually the fact that it will save you money on your divorce over the traditional outdated method of hiring an attorney and just expecting them to do everything at an average of $350 an hour, that gets very, very expensive. But if you hire a coach and you work with a certified divorce financial planner or a CFP, or you get involved with, if there's a mortgage and maybe a certified divorce lending professional, certainly you're going to need insurance people, credit people, maybe a therapist if you don't already have one. There's a lot of different expertise out there around the transition of divorce. And each has a very important part in helping you to understand the changes that are happening as you go through that. And none of them are qualified to do the work of the other. So you really want to have the whole team. And in fact, the coach, the role that I play is oftentimes the the team captain, so to speak, because we know all the other people and we can get you connected with those people that you need to be connected with and help you to know what kind of conversations you need to be having with all of those different team players so that you're fully informed about all of your decisions. And in the end, the team approach is much less expensive, usually gets done quicker, and it's much less stressful because everybody's working together toward a common goal of getting this divorce processed and getting some closure for the parties involved. So absolutely, that's a pitfall for sure. And it's unfortunate that so many people think all you can do is hire an attorney and just battle it out. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. The attorneys are experts in the legal process. We can't expect them to be experts in therapy or experts in finances, even like their job is very specific and they're great Mm -hmm. at what they do, but we can't expect them to do all of these other things and then get upset when they're charging us their attorney hourly rates. 
but they're not even doing the thing that they're really, really good at basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what, um, this is kind of a curveball out of left field. What should divorced women know about social security? So I think it's really helpful to understand what you can expect in terms of your own benefits and what you might expect if you're eligible for a spousal benefit. So it's a really common misconception that I don't get social security based on my husband, or there's a lot of confusion about social security because it's a little bit complicated Mm -hmm. when it comes to divorce and things like that. But if you are someone who put the career on hold for a while and you were out of the workplace and you don't have as much earnings with social security, you might be entitled to a spousal benefit, even if you're no longer married. So if you were married for more than 10 years, you can be eligible for a benefit that's based on half of your ex's benefit. It doesn't mean that your half is taken from him. So a lot of people think they are literally taking half of their ex's social security, which some people, they think that's great, but I'm like, no, 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 it's, (laughs) it's not taking anything away from him. Your benefit is calculated based on half of his benefit. He still gets his entire benefit, but you can get half or vice versa. If your benefit is higher, if maybe your spouse might be able to take a spousal benefit based on your benefit. So it's just important to run a state, a social security statement on yourself, figure out, look at your earnings, make sure your earnings are correct. First of all, and get an idea of what your own benefit would be. And then you can call social security and ask them what the spousal benefit would be on your ex. So you just have to know their social security number, but that's information that you are legally entitled to. So yeah. it's, it's just great information to know because social security is, that's a decent chunk of money that is going to mm-hmm. make up your retirement income someday. So you want to know what you're going to get. Yeah, for sure. It's a piece of the puzzle that you don't want to forget about. Well, so what if you mentioned earlier, what if you are that woman who didn't handle the money stuff at all in, in the marriage rather than what if it's now what, how do we identify our now single financial goals when we don't have any experience in that arena? Yeah. First of all, I would say, don't feel embarrassed if you don't feel up to speed. If you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't had to think about this in so long. I feel so out of touch. Don't feel bad about that because it's so common that in a relationship, one person specializes in one thing and the other one does something else. It's totally normal. It doesn't mean that you are permanently disadvantaged when it comes to the knowledge. Like you can learn the things that you need to learn. You can absolutely do that. You don't have to be you don't have to have a master's degree in finance. Like you can, you can handle this. Mm -hmm. You don't need to learn everything at once. You don't need to learn how Bitcoin works, or you don't need to learn how inflation is working right now. Like you can start super small with the most important things that matter in your situation. You can start with your budget. Then you can kind of work up to investing some extra savings, and then you can work up to more and more kind of advanced things. But you can start small. You can learn in any way that you prefer. So if you're someone who really likes to read, you can read some blogs on personal finance. If you're someone that likes to listen to podcasts, for example, which is my preferred method of learning anything, mm-hmm. there are a gazillion personal finance podcasts out there. Like There are ways that you can take in this information in very easily digestible pieces. So it's not like you need to sit down and read a giant textbook. Like you know, this, this information is very easy to consume. And when you take a little bit at a time and you just do a little bit every day or every few days or every couple of weeks or whatever, you'd be shocked at how much 
you end up knowing after a short amount of time. And you don't have to be an expert. You just have to kind of pick up a little bit of information here and there, and you'd be surprised at how knowledgeable and how much more confident you'll feel managing your finances after that. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's actually a good life lesson for a lot of areas of our life that we don't have to know everything right now. We can just take life one day at a time and learn as we go. And all we really have to know is the next step. We don't have to be able to see the whole staircase. And that, that can be very empowering to step back and look at things that way, because often there are processes in our lives that are very big. And, you know, the old saying, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. It really is true. And when you try or you're thinking of it in that way, it's very, very uncomfortable because <laughs> nobody can do it. I yeah. mean, literally, nobody can do that. So yeah. you have to really just kind of reframe everything and just remember that I like to say you have a track record and so do I. A hundred percent of the time thus far in our life, we have figured out what to do. Whenever we've been presented with any kind of challenge, we've figured it out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the same will be with this that you will figure it out. You just have to take it in digestible bites. So. Absolutely. Well, so what if we don't feel like we have a complete picture of our finances? Maybe they're still in the divorce process and they feel like there's money missing somewhere. They don't know where this retirement from his former job is, and he's not listed it on the discovery, or maybe they just have a sense that they've made more money than this and they don't know where it's at. What, how do, how should somebody handle that? So that's a common situation where either they know there's something missing or they feel like something's missing, or maybe they just are wondering. And there are professionals who specialize in finding assets like that, that are hidden and, the decision that you have to make is, okay, what is it going to cost me to find this information now? Because those people are not cheap. You're going to spend a couple hundred dollars an hour at a minimum to have like a forensic accountant or someone like that to look for these missing assets. There's a chance they might not find anything. There's a chance that there isn't anything hidden. There's a chance that it's so well hidden that the forensic accountant isn't going to find it you run that risk that you're going to spend this money for this analysis that's not going to result in anything being found or if something is found you know what are you going to do with that information is that going to result in like a drawn out court thing or or whatever mm-hmm. you just have to realize okay what am i trying to get out of this am i trying to get peace of mind so that i know that this is everything there's nothing missing and what's that peace of mind worth and am i willing to pay this amount to get this, even if it doesn't result in any information out of it, basically. Yeah. So like for me, it's, it's hard because it's like, well, wouldn't you just want to know everything that's out there? And wouldn't you want to know that they're lying to you or they're hiding? Like you want to know this information, but it's not just that easy. You have to pay to get that information. It's time consuming. It's kind of a yucky situation. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a trade-off there and it's not necessarily the best option for everyone. Yeah, certainly not everyone. However, you may have a good instinct that it would be worth your time and effort to do that and certainly trust your intuition on those things. But, you know, I think what we're talking about here is just the whole process of divorce. If you haven't been involved with the finances, you're going to learn a lot during the divorce process. And I think a good tip here is just to keep good records. 
pay attention as you're going into these settlement conferences and different things. Be taking good notes and be aware of the different assets and debts and income sources and all of these things that are being discussed because there could come a time and place where you're going to need that information either during your divorce process or certainly when it's all said and done. And now it's time for you to put together some strategies for what your financial future is going to look like. Those are all pieces of the puzzle that any financial planner is going to want to know Mm -hmm. exist. So you want to inform yourself and educate yourself as you go, even if you knew nothing going into the process. Are you getting the support you need as you divorce or face the possibility of divorce? Did you know that for just $55 a month, you can be a part of a one hour weekly support group call of people just like you? Some haven't even filed yet, but they know the marriage is not sustainable or healthy. Some were served papers they didn't want. Others are feeling empowered that they finally took the reins of their life and hired an attorney and a divorce coach to help them navigate the uncertain waters of divorce. All of them are facing fear, grief, loss, confusion, and pain, and they're finding help and hope in a Starting Over Stronger support group. You can get registered today for a group at startingoverstronger.com slash groups and start this week in getting the help you need to divorce well and then live well. Remember, divorce is hard. Life after doesn't have to be, but the support you get now is what makes the difference. My next question would be, what strategies would someone in this situation want to be looking at to develop to achieve financial independence and security post-divorce? I think the first step is thinking about what your goals are going forward, because your goals that you had while you were married were probably different than what they are going forward. And that's a that's a big thing. That's not something you're going to sit down and figure out in 15 minutes. You really need to do some soul searching and figure out what do I want out of my life going forward? What needs to happen in terms of my finances in order to support this life that I want to lead going forward? Like, What do my finances need to look like and how am I going to get there? I think just getting really specific about what your goals are is important to do right off the bat so that you know what the point of all this is going forward. And then once you know your goals, then you can start gathering all your information together, figuring out, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm working with after the, the divorce. This is, these are the assets that I have. This is the income that I have. These are what my expenses are. This is what kind of insurance coverage I have. Okay. This is my full financial picture now. Okay. If I'm comparing where I am now with what I want to achieve later down the line, what is it going to take in order to get from here to there? And that is not an easy thing to figure out either. And that might entail getting some help from whatever professionals, whether that's a financial planner, an accountant, an insurance person, there's all sorts of professionals that can help you put the individual pieces in place to make sure that you're going to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. But I really encourage people to get the help of the experts because those things are just kind of hard to figure out on your own. You can't just Google how much do I need to save for retirement? Because it depends on like a thousand things. And even like how much life insurance do I need? 
a little online calculator doesn't know you. It doesn't know your what your goals are for your children. It doesn't know what like you really need to have some some conversations with some people who know what they're talking about and get some help, I think. Yeah, for sure. And it's worth mentioning that you're probably going to have a feeling, whether you're ever able to identify it as such or not, that you kind of wish you could find a professional that would do all the things that your ex did. (laughs) And unfortunately, that person doesn't exist. And if they did, it would probably be pretty risky for you to work with them because people are people and you're the only one that's going to be fully 100% always motivated in your own best interest. So you are your best advocate. And so financial planner, uh, life insurance provider whatever pieces of the puzzle you have to put together, you want to be the one in control of it, even though your history is maybe going to tell you that you don't want to be the one in charge of it because you don't know what you're doing. You really do want to be the one in charge of it. And you just want to learn from each of these people that you involve in the scenario to get to the point where you know what is best for you. And in all honesty, that's what your ex did too when he was younger. So you're just learning it a little bit later and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And part of becoming financially independent after a divorce is not finding someone else to be dependent on, whether it's a financial expert, like becoming dependent on someone else, that's not really changing your situation. So you can entail, or you can enlist the help of all of these people, but it's true. You do need to be your own advocate and you need to learn as much as you need in order to be the kind of general contractor on that process, you need to get familiarized enough to know so that you're not completely dependent on one person because there isn't going to be this magical unicorn you can hire to just handle everything. You're going to have to involve different people at different times, but you need to know how to manage those relationships and how, like what type of information you can get from each person and how that all fits together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's something that we talk about often in coaching, a sense that you might have as you're going through this process, especially if you came into it at the disadvantage of not working and not being involved in the finances, is that you're going to want somebody to rescue you. And unfortunately, um, that person isn't coming. And again, if they do, you're going to need to check their motives because... We all want to be swept off of our feet and find that knight in shining armor and all that. But you've got to really keep mindful of the fact that, again, you are the only one that is always 100% advocating for your best interests. So don't give that away to anybody else. And and don't think that somebody's coming to rescue you. You're going to rescue yourself. And, and you're, you're going to do a damn good job of it. Yes, you were you were going to do the best job at rescuing yourself than yes. anyone else can. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the answer to the question of strategies for financial independence and security really kind of is probably different for that woman that's getting divorced at 35 or 45 than it is for that woman that's getting divorced at 60 or 65. And we're seeing both of those divorce age ranges happening pretty significantly. Those are the top two ages really where it's happening. And I guess it comes down to working with somebody who can help you determine an income strategy. And then later, or maybe as part of that, 
a more of a retirement strategy. How do you see that differing for women in these situations? So for a younger person, planning for the future is more abstract because it's farther away. It There's a lot of things that haven't happened yet that you're trying to make guesses about. With someone who is older, who is either already in retirement or rapidly approaching retirement, they kind of know what they're working with. It's easier to, okay, this is how much I have now. It's easier to make guesses that are within a few years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different approach. I would say the younger women are going to have the benefit of some flexibility, some extra flexibility, because there's more time to make a change and be able to kind of see the benefits of this change. There's more time for that to happen with someone who's older. There's less time. That doesn't mean that it's hopeless and like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money and I'm just hopeless. Like I there's still a lot of things that you have control over that can yeah. change your financial situation. It's just a little bit different of a math problem, depending on how old you are. But there are people that can help you with retirement income strategies because a retirement income strategy is a very, very, very different type of analysis than figuring out how much a young person should save. Yeah. I mean, those the two like unrelated parts of your financial picture, basically. But Either way, there's going to be some strategizing that's going to be needed. Yeah, for sure. And as part of that, when we're talking about financial security, I'll just kind of end today's conversation on the topic of security. What are the kinds of precautions that someone might need to look at to secure their financial independence now and in future, like in the retirement years? I think of a few different things when I think about security. I think about securing your current income. So if you're working, disability insurance is so important. And it's something that doesn't get on people's radar that often because you think, oh, what's the likelihood of that happening? It's high. It's a very high probability that you will need it. I'm telling you. (laughs) So making sure that your income is secured so that if you were unable to work for whatever reason, that you're not going to be totally out of luck. And that's either having disability insurance and having an emergency fund to cover periods of time where you're unable to work. That is super, super important. I think protecting your family is super important. So having a very specific plan in place for what happens to your kids, whether they're little kids or adult kids, but Having a plan for how you want your assets to get distributed to them, if they're financially dependent on you, having some sort of life insurance policy in place to make sure that they're protected, Mm -hmm. that's a, a really important thing. And then if you are dependent on support from your ex, for example, if you're getting child support or alimony, protecting that income stream. So what if your ex becomes disabled or what if he dies? Do you know what happens to your support payments? And maybe you can work, have it worked into the divorce decree that he carries a minimum amount of disability insurance or life insurance or whatever to protect that income stream. You really need, unfortunately, you need to think about worst case scenarios. Yeah. And maybe, I know not everyone likes to think about worst case scenarios as much as I do because I like to plan for all of them, but it's not a topic that not everyone wants to talk about, but yeah. It's really it's really important to think about those things because unexpected things will happen to you for sure. Yeah, right. You just you and just don't know. You don't want to be that person on GoFundMe begging for people to help you. You yes. want to have a plan in place yes. that's going to protect you. And it, it's 
really quite inexpensive if you just take the time to learn about it and understand it and why it's so important. It's, it really is. Uh, the prevention, tool. the prevention and the things, the tools that you can use to put that protection in place is it can be very affordable. So mm-hmm. don't, don't assume that, Oh, that's beyond my pay grade or whatever. Like those things are attainable for you. Yeah. And also make sure um, that you've talked with someone about estate planning documents. And if if there's a trust that should be explored and what that means for you and in the event of disability or death for you or your former spouse. Yeah. I think pretty much everyone on earth needs an estate plan. And when people hear about trusts or estates, they think of really, really wealthy people, which is Mm -hmm. totally not the case. I think really anyone needs to have some planning, but most people need a trust. I live in California. If you own a home, you pretty much need a trust. If you care what happens when you die, you need to have a trust. Trust, it's really something that more people need than they realize. Yeah. What would you say to summarize what a trust does for a mortgage? For a mortgage? For Yeah. If you own a house. Oh, so if you're divorced and let's say you have kids and you have some equity in the house, and if you don't have a trust, your house has to go through the process of probate. It's a court process. It takes a really long time. It can be expensive. I've seen it drag out for six months to a year. I mean, that's like very, very common. And it takes a really long time before your heirs can actually take ownership of your assets and do what they need to do with it. Whereas if you have assets titled in the name of your trust, it doesn't have to go through that process. It goes directly. It, the ownership gets changed over to whoever you have listed as the trustees. It's a very clean process. They can get access to things so much quicker. It's just, mm-hmm. and it eliminates all these potential problems that can happen if you don't have the right estate plan. So it's good to talk to an attorney about that and to figure out how what that will look like in your own situation. But that's like super, super important. Yeah. And I think it even has tax protection involved too, as well, doesn't it? Or do you know? There's also. I know you're not a tax professional. Yeah, there's. Um, it depends, but yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to answer that question because we're not a tax professional. Yes, but you might want to ask your tax person. About yeah, that. absolutely. So, okay, well, I think that's really all I have for today. Do you have any final thoughts for people about post-divorce investing? No, I think just well, I just think if you're feeling anxious about it. It's understandable, but it doesn't, it's not going to be this difficult forever. You're going to get through this transition. Things are going to settle down. You can totally get a grip on the things that you need to know in terms of your finances to manage it going forward. So I just want people to have a positive outlook about their financial future. Yeah, very good. Well, I appreciate what you've offered today to help them in doing that. And in case someone would want to reach out and talk with you about their financial situation, how would they get a hold of you? So uh, you can visit my website. It's trueworthfp.com. So it's F as in financial, P as in planning. And my website has places where you can book a free strategy call with me, which I really encourage people to take advantage of. I'm happy to have a chat with you about your situation. And even if it's not a great fit to work together. I'm super happy to give a couple pointers or give some referrals to someone who can help. I always want to send people on their way with some helpful information. And then they can also follow me on social media. I'm active on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. And so I encourage people to find me there. It's at True Worth FP on Instagram. Okay. 
And it's Rachel Burns, again, in case you have forgotten after our lovely conversation. And Rachel is spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L? Correct. Okay. And so again, that is trueworthfp.com if you'd like to follow up with her. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And listeners, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Starting Over Stronger, where we're here to help you get what you need as you go through divorce, whether that is professional, practical, or emotional support. We, we're here to offer all of the different tips and tricks and support that you need as you go through this difficult transition. And we will see you again here next week for more help as you divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger.